Welcome to Amplifier, another episode with Coke Brothers. Uh, joined with my brother Brian. <clears throat> well, why don't we start with going over uh, some of the injury updates, in case anybody's been, everybody's been living under a rock. So it looks like Yates is out for the season. That's, I mean, that's obviously a huge blow. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's also magnified by the fact that you know Angel Pagan has been underwhelming so far. I mean, he's going to be fine, I'm sure, but. Um, with him, you know, struggling a little bit and some hiccups in for the rest of the bullpen, I think, you know, that's going to only magnify the, you know, the need to possibly bolster the bullpen. Um, then you got Tommy Pham. Obviously, that's a huge, huge hit too. I mean, Gamer, he's, you know, he can be a catalyst and a number two hole. He can bat anywhere if you want. I know he's kind of scuffled here and there but he was going to be fine as well uh I, i'm not convinced that he was uh you know 100 percent to to even start the year i mean coming off COVID 19 and you know having his elbow issues and whatnot it's like it just seems pretty obvious that he was he, he was struggling and i think uh that wasn't completely just uh performance based well at least it sounds like he's not gone for the season i think i saw four to six weeks so if they can if they can stay in it, then then he can still contribute. Dynamite drop in Brian, and I agree with you. Um, you know I think if the Padres can get eat their way into the playoffs, uh, for example, then if you have Tommy Fan coming in, maybe he can DH if he can get back soon. And if anybody can get back soon, I know other media outlets have talked about it. Tommy Fan can come back soon. Tough as nails, dude, gamer. Uh, and baller bro so i'd love to see him come back and and uh i don't know just fingers crossed at this point yeah some of these guys are gonna have to step up in their place nailers nailers back on the roster they they got mateo up he hasn't done shit but nailers looks like he's hitting he's coming around yeah to that point brian i think nailer um i mean he's had a hit in both of these ranger games is that correct i believe uh, you know, he had two hits, in fact, today uh, to, you know, albeit a small sample size, but, you know, it's, he's batting 350 now. So um, with with Fam down and him stepping in, uh, I'd like to see him get, you know, more starts. And he probably will against righties. They had, you know, Mike Miner going today. He could be huge. I think we're supposed to face at least the next two I think the next two games are supposed to be righty, so I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see more of him. Up to this point, he hasn't really got the opportunity I thought that he was going to get in the beginning of the season. but And he started a little slow, but he's hitting now, so he deserves to be in there. You know, they they need more bats in there with, with the loss of fam. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, and uh, Edward Olivares, you know, struggling a little bit there at I- now, after his kind of hot start, he, he looked comfortable, and Naylor, in contrast, didn't. Uh, you know, Naylor was very aggressive, uh, while, you know, Oliveris in the beginning of the season was, you know, extremely patient, and that was the Padres' approach, and, you know, and, and you saw that pay dividends, but, you know, lately it's been you, you just kind of up and down, and if one guy starts to struggle, it seems like that's contagious as it is, you know, winning or, you know, being productive, and, uh, we've also seen that too here the last couple of days. Yeah, either somebody needs to step up, or a couple of these guys need to step up, or or they need to go out and get somebody if if they're gonna stay in it. Oh yeah, I mean, look, uh, with Fam going down, Yates going down, two guys you already have Munoz, you know, down, and Jose Castillo, and 
but we've seen guys lately step up too, Brian. Um, Grisham has had his kind of uh, – he's been pretty, you know, steadily good, very good throughout the season. But he's scuffed for the last couple times. But he had two hits again today. Um, and Hosmer coming on couldn't couldn't emphasize more how, you know, how huge that has been. Um, and get back to that later. But Cronenworth still – he just – it seems like he's getting a hit or two in every game, an extra base hit guys playing stellar defense whether it be first base shortstop second base i mean fucking let's see him pitch too fuck with the with the bullpen the way it's going there's enough but, there's uh, enough firepower there's enough firepower in this lineup if if these guys can pick him up with machado if machado can get hot and tatis is amazing i'm sure we'll talk about him again later but and like you said cronworth and i mean there's plenty of talent these guys just need to pick up the slack I, I don't know. I you know, I've gone back and forth, and I obviously if if Machado is being fucking Machado, like that's a huge boost, and now you have both Hosmer and Myers playing basically up to their potential. You know how they should be playing, and that's couldn't be couldn't be bigger. But and, and I think Machado is going to be fine too. He I don't think there's been a more unlucky player this year than Machado and maybe fam even Myers has been robbed on those shifts with smashes up the middle but um yeah and Profar lately too yeah Profar Profar has stepped up uh I I forget exactly what um his line has been the the last however many games like the last seven games I think he's batted 280 he's had a good series at least yeah he's had a he's had a really good series um uh, I you know Luis Torrens was recalled. Uh, you know it was kind of a, a, a. I know you're not excited to see Luis Torrens, and I I don't know if excited is a word that I would use, but um, it was refreshing to see Luis Torrens uh, be recalled, and um, you know Francisco Mejia be sent down for his cough cough bruise injury, because um, I'm sure that's fucking what it was. Hey, you know he's scuffling. He's not doing good. Fingernail issue, whatever the fuck it I was. It was but and then you bring up Luis Torrens. I think it was a thumb contusion. Oh, well, I think it was fucking stage two vaginitis. But you didn't hear nor there, dude. Like Luis Torrens has a better approach. He got on base today. Uh, you know, you're, there's still a learning curve there, but overall, he was one of the best uh, defensive catchers in the Texas League um, last year, and. And I like his approach. Austin Hedges has actually been much better lately. Specialty bunter. I, it's not really saying. It's not really saying much, is it? Our specialty you know? bunter. Like, dude, he got a bunt down. That's a fucking huge win. We're celebrating like it's a fucking game five when he gets a bunt down. Uh, you know, to advance. A I think he's over. like no joke. I think he's leading the league in sacrifice bunts. No, he for sure he is. He's leading Major League Baseball in sacrifice bunts, and so. <laughs> That's insane for a catcher, let alone that fucker. Well, he but, can lay a bunt down. Hey, hey, I look. I'll I'll take that any day. And he's got a couple bombs to to go in. And with his defense, if he can, I, you know, I I think one of the biggest things with Austin is he needs to, and I and I think he's doing it now. I'm I'm not sure, but it is alter his approach and kind of. Uh, you know, get away from that launch angle as we've talked about on our other episodes, Brian, um, and and just kind of try to put the ball in play a little bit more. 
And I noticed the other day whether this has been, I haven't noticed that this has been, uh, you know, uh, every at bat uh, tendency, but I saw him choking up the other day, not just for one of the blunts he laid down, but just in general. And I haven't ever noticed that before with Austin Hedges. Maybe that's a new thing. Maybe it's not. It's something to look forward to, I think. No, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that. But I, I have noticed Gresham doing the same thing, choking up, you know, later in the count with two strikes. And, man, Grisham just has great at-bats. It's seemingly every single at-bat he has. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his, you know, his discipline is, is, is really amazing. And, and him, even the, the really good at-bats, lefty on lefty, like Cronenworth. Another guy that just, yeah. like, he hit the ground running, but... I think what's more impressive to me is how fucking comfortable he looks. Not just against righties, against lefties. Like, he's a, win- he's he a winner. Look- he's a winner. He's a gamer, but he's not, you know, he won't be intimidated. No. He won't, you know, he's got that fucking, those ice veins, dude. And, and, uh, and I think we're starting to see, you know, once again, a more kind of collective, uh, you know, rounded good baseball from, from the entire team. Yeah, definitely, and and that's what's needed when you start losing some of your key pieces. Uh, and the, the same thing goes for the bullpen. Some of these other guys need to step up. And uh, I, I was particularly uh, interested in, in um, yeah, in Cal Quantrill coming in and closing out that game. Well, we, we can kind of talk about a little later. I think we're going to talk about the bullpen usage. But, you know, obviously his dad has that, you know, back of the bullpen prowess and and I'm kind of interested now to, and wondering if, you know, that's where he would be best utilized, rather than as a starter, a long, you know, long relief mop up guy. If if you bring him out for an inning and use him at the back end of a bullpen, he, you know, he can get the ball up into the high 90s if if you're using him in that way, and and maybe he's just going to be more effective in that role. Yeah, I mean, overall his splits would thus far would indicate that he's been better in the bullpen although you know he was stellar against the Dodgers and you know uh in his start but um it, it was a little curious uh move I think considering you know the what's happening right now and who's starting but I think I think what they just did was is aren't they just going to move Paddock and Lament up so that skips Quantrill spot so now they just used him in that role I think that's what they I think that's that's what allowed him to pitch tonight. Um, and I loved it in that, in that situation. Um, Pagan, you know, he didn't give up a run tonight. He was a little erratic still, but you know, he'll come around. He's looking better. He's still, he pitched, he he pitched well. He pitched really well. He, he, yeah. He pitched well. He's running out of gas is what it was. He was pitching well, but he's running out of gas. And, and honestly bringing in, in Quantrill was in my, in my opinion, just a mismanagement of the bullpen. But, but maybe it, maybe they learned something from it, you know. Maybe this maybe that's this guy's best role. I you know I disagree with you. I thought it was a brilliant move um, because I think when he came in, you you brought you know Cal into a tough situation with inherited runners against the Dodgers, and he got out of that jam, and then he pitched a gem. And I I think you're you know you're looking at a similar plot, and then the, the other start where he pitched you know extremely well. So I I think that's what they're kind of looking at. Um, That's not really what I meant. I, I I don't mean necessarily that bringing him in, in in that situation was a mistake, but not having Pomerantz 
available to close out that game is the the misuse or, or mismanagement of the bullpen that I'm talking about. I, I think they without Yates, you you need to save Pomeranz for that instance. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was curious. I think maybe they looked at that, you know, that line there, and they thought, I mean, Pomerantz would like 1.1 innings or whatever. Maybe he could have uh, pitched to a couple more batters. Um, I don't know if that's nitpicking or not, but I, I thought it was curious that they mm. had Javi Guerra piggybacking uh, Adrian Morjon, uh you know, today. That was the only real issue that I took with the bullpen is a guy that's, you know, coming into – the game with 11 7 some era or whatever it was and now he's up to you know 14 blah 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 and you know it's like he doesn't have options so you know you're trying to keep this project on your team because he throws 100 miles an hour and he's got a wipeout slider but at some point you know you especially with the other key you know uh relievers being down and going down like yates can you afford to stick with him i i don't I don't know if you can stick with him much longer. You you really have to get production. Perdomo's been underperforming. He was pretty serviceable last year. Um, and, man, you're really struggling with some of these guys. Well, you know, they they attempted to, to use him in, in that six-run lead, low-pressure situation today, mm-hmm. and, and he kind of blew it. But if you're going to keep him on the roster, that's really the only thing you can use him for. Kind of like what they did with Perdomo when they selected him in the Rule 5. They, they pretty much yeah. only put him in in those situations. And this year with the expanded rosters, you can you can probably get away with that. Mm-hmm. Well, to that point, too, like they brought Patino in after that. And I thought, well, they brought Stammen in. Then they brought Patino in. But I thought... Patino would have been a better, yeah. uh, you know, but a better move there to bring him in, hard thrower, Dermar John, different, ha- different handedness there, and and he can pitch multiple innings. Why not? Why not right. piggyback him in that situation? Another young player that could use some major league experience in a less, you know, less pressure situation, and let Patino throw two, three, you know, whatever he can handle innings. Right. I mean, if the, if the plan, you know, initially was to have him pitch today, which, it, you know, that seems like what it was, that, you know, why don't you put him in with the six-run deficit and let him, you know, get in, log in two or three innings or something, depending upon, you know, the the stress level of pitches. So, right. uh, yeah, that was a curious move. I wasn't a fan of that. I, I haven't been a fan of uh, many of the Tingler bullpen choices, and I know you're on the same page with that, Brian, but I think some of it's overblown, to be totally honest. Honestly, I I wonder just about every game what the hell he's doing with the pitching staff. I, I think he doesn't know how to manage a pitching staff. It, it seems like it seems like every, every day he's taking a starter out too early. I mean, I'm not going to just belabor the point that I've already made on every podcast, but I, I, I don't <laughs> like the way he manages a pitching staff, period. I get it. I I think I you know I think there's a point where you have to look at the totality of it, and I know you're doing that. But you know, like the, you know, today I saw a lot of people talking about Adrian Morejon, like uh, you know he coming out after thir- 39 pitches, he's a starter. You know what I mean? Uh, traditionally speaking, but yeah, I'm not you know, bothered taxi- by that. I'm not bothered by that move because that was the plan all along. It's his first first start of the season. 
it's different than throwing a bullpen. Like uh, that, that's not what bothers me. I'm talking more like uh, the other day, you know, they start Davies and I think it was yesterday. They start Davies into the sixth and he gives up a base hit and then, and he immediately pulls him and Davies mm-hmm. was dealing. He, he shouldn't have yeah. came out of that game. He gave up, he gave up a, a base hit, but he wasn't losing his control. He wasn't losing his stuff. You know, we were we were easily winning the game. Like, stick with him. He, he needs to have a little more faith in his starters. It's not the first or second round through the rotation. Like, let these guys pitch. Yeah, he's got a little, you know, too quick of a hook for me, too. And I agree 100% on, especially on Davies. Uh, with with uh, Morholm, like, today, he was scheduled to, to only go 40 pitches yeah. and he threw 39. So and that's going from a you know a taxi squad, you know collegiate park to Globe Life and or whatever it's called in in Texas. So uh, and he was awesome, by the way. You know yeah, more importantly, fucking awesome. More importantly, yeah. definitely highlight of the game. You know and overshadowed because they started to come back a little bit. But man, ninety eight Payton. You know his. You know throwing like. I th- think he threw a, a what was it a knuckle uh, a knuckle change uh, looks just devastating uh, going down left like away from down and away from a right-handed batter um, and throwing those sliders in. I don't remember throwing him throwing a you know a, a knuckle change, but fuck, dude, that was filthy. Um, but then painting ninety-eight, holy shit! If this guy stays healthy, he's a you know he's probably a number two, you know. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see him before Gore, but but man, like we like we talked about last time, Patino and Gore and and now Morihone. Oh man, the future is so fucking bright in the rotation. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't help but be super excited when you have guys like Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino and Adrian Morihone and uh, Cal Quantrill, you know, pitching well and you know other pitchers like reggie lawson and i mean but then you and then you have fucking the best player in fucking baseball fernando tetsis jr hitting fucking bombs three and oh what's up so i'm down i love it well, i love it well, well speaking speaking of tatis you know why don't we get into the to the thing that happened last night are, that everybody's are, been talking about are we gonna argue i mean we kind of already we kind of already were getting into it a little on Twitter, but you know, oh yeah, you know, for anybody that hasn't seen it, which is nobody. So Tatis comes up what in the eighth inning, right? Eight. I believe it was the eighth inning. Bases um, loaded, and he, he bases loaded. A three zero count, and uh, he's apparently given uh, the don't swing sign, which is fucking stupid. Why do you ever give that to somebody <laughs> like Tatis? You don't ever give the sign to not swing 3-0. Calm down. I don't care about. Calm down. And and we keep talking about these unwritten rules. That's not a fucking unwritten rule. They were up by by 7, not 10. And and this guy fucking hit a bomb. Like, that's not an unwritten rule, man. The unwritten rules are big. The, the unwritten rules are basically whatever is to suit your narrative yeah. to hurt your fucking feelings. That's you know, that's that's what unwritten rules really fucking. We're rewriting and unwritten rules. That's not a thing. That's what. Dude, it if is. it was ten, if it was ten to zero, or if we were up by ten runs, like okay, fine. But dude, that's never been a that's never been an unwritten rule. Like okay, stealing a base, 
you know, taking an extra base with a with a huge lead late in the game, fine. Man, fuck you. Let this dude swing. Never ever give him the don't swing sign. Such bullshit. I like how you call it the don't swing sign, but I I agree. <laughs> agree. Don't swing sign. But you know, uh, you know, I you know I also wonder if that was um, Tingler's sort of poorly uh, expressed way to try to make sure protect Tatis and maybe you know you're worried about retaliation. There were some words chirped here on you know you know uh, during the game and maybe maybe that's what he's doing you know with when he says oh he just missed a sign because you know that the conversations you know. Uh, to the media and publicly are going to be a little bit different, uh, you know, behind closed doors in the clubhouse. So no, and like I, I, and I, and I understand that point that you made on Twitter and we were talking about it, but to me, like, it doesn't matter. You don't, you don't throw that superstar under the bus. If, if you want to, if you're saying that to protect your player, you tell him that you told, you told him to swing away. That's protecting the player. That's putting it on Tingler instead of Tatis. That's how you that's how you put it on the manager and not throw your fucking star under the bus. And and I mean, maybe I, I see your point. I see your point. And I, I, I don't think Tingler meant to throw him under the bus and and I don't think he realized what a big deal it was going to become. And and I don't know if you saw his comments today uh, with the media, but he he definitely was backpedaling after all the criticism. Uh, but I don't know, man, that Maybe it's just my my uh, my bias so far early in the season towards Tingler, but that just really rubbed me the wrong way, like it did a lot of Padres fans. Well, I mean, I think maybe some of it was backpedaling. You want to like damage control, you know, and it's like a PR nightmare, and it goes national, and everyone's, you know, kind of jumping to conclusions, and and some some warranted, some you know not, but you know, on the other, here, look here here's part of you know how I look at it. And I, I think this is just social media in general. It's We've talked about it before, too. You see these, like, shorthand blurbs and clips and video screenshotted whatevers. And, you know, I think that it can be massively overblown because, you know, not everyone's a public speaker. Not everyone's going to express themselves. And so we pick apart their verbiage and, you know, often in when they're speaking in the moment when someone's asking them a question they don't have time to analyze it like everyone can do on twitter and take five minutes and look at that and go well i don't fucking agree with that what the fuck is he talking about so i think when you look at the totality in in that entire situation i mean i think he i think more than anything tingler expressed himself poorly and he probably didn't expect anything like that in terms of you know the quote-unquote backlash and I, I i just think that it was a little bit mis mis misinterpreted more than more than anything well i i think the reason why it you know it was maybe misinterpreted was the reaction that the cameras are picking up in the dugout they they made it seem like hosmer is yelling at him and tingler's giving him dirty looks like i think that kind of added to to the narrative that they're creating right. dude it's yeah, it's like, you know, reality TV, you know, you're going for what's going to sell ratings and whatever. And with that, with him being the face of baseball right now, like everything's going to be magnified and under a microscope and what every, every single fucking thing this kid does. And, 
you know, I was disgusted as much as anybody to see him sit there and have to apologize for being good as fuck. Like, you don't like that shit? Pitch better. What happened to, like, let the kids play? Oh, hold on a second. You know what I mean? Like, he, it's fucking ridiculous. Honestly, he shouldn't even apologize for that. He should. He shouldn't have, but, dude, he's a 21-year-old fucking kid. You know? I mean, he's humble as fuck. Like, I get it. I, I understand why he said what he said. And, you know, good for him. He just has mad humility. But going back to... I, I saw, or going back to your point, there was a lot of people making the assumption that Hosmer was yelling at him when they were talking about Manny being thrown at. So they, yeah. you know, they caught this, they caught this serious moment where Hosmer's talking to Tatis about that. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the bench coaches were, you know, first base coach was in there too yeah. as well. But later, you saw right after that someone else posted a video and they're like laughing and fucking yucking it up and then Hosmer came on Twitter and fucking and basically refuted that yeah. shitty narrative saying I'm glad you you know I, I had think he's telling head tellin on your shoulders like like look this is this is what it is and this is what happened but he's not like chastising him no yeah. I don't think so at all and then someone said that I think it was Chris Rose of Intentional Talk, he, you know, he was defending Tatis, which is cool, but he started off his, his you know, his little vlog video or whatever by saying that he, after Tatis hit that bomb, he came to the dugout and AJ Preller was like giving him the stink guy, quote unquote. Like, no, he wasn't. We didn't even, that was fucking. We didn't even see the anything from AJ Preller. Like, I mean, they, they showed him talking to Tatis before the at bat, but. You couldn't see Preller in in that video after the home run. It looked it That's looked like Tatis was saying something to somebody, but he's got a big smile on his face. If yeah. if it even was Preller or whoever it was, it wasn't that serious because he's smiling and laughing. Nah, dude. It, you know that was before. You know that was before the slam. And what happened was is someone the internet trolls try to you know fluff shit up and you know make you know yeah. mountain out of a fucking molehill just because they need clicks likes retweets or whatever which we yeah. uh, amplifier amplifier.com uh, <laughs> retweet download plug shameless plug but that's what that's, that is that's just, just, what just trying to does. get attention and flip the narrative you know and that was definitely before the slam not after the slam so stop with that bullshit like preller was pissed off at him because he's with his texas rangers buddies uh. and I didn't even think that had much to do with Tinkler's response either. I mean, and I think Tinkler kind of clarified what he said today uh, in terms of he he wasn't mad about opening the game up. He was he, he and he wasn't necessarily mad in general. He's mad that he, he missed the want, sign. He 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 yeah. just wants Tatis to be on the same page. And as a manager, as a coach, as a baseball team, you have to be on the same page. And we're not talking about teaching him necessarily not to swing there. We're talking about, you know, base ceiling signs. We're all these, it's a trickle down effect domino, you know? Well, so somebody needs to teach Tingler not to give him that sign in that situation. The no swing sign. <laughs> yes, dude. Here's the thing though, is today he said it, you know, I was wrong in, and even putting that on, you know, in that situation. So, he clarified his statements, and I think, 
I think that's the most important thing. And to sit here and still have people hashtag fire fucking tingler so fucking stupid it's insane. No, no, no. It honestly, I almost pass out at how fucking stupid it is. I'm not. I'm not even close to to saying something like that. As as much as I haven't liked tingler so far. I'm not advocating to fire the guy after, like, well, 20 games or whatever it's been. Here's the thing. When they made that hire, and I made this point on fucking Twitter, you know, one of the big things was being on the same page and having this cohesive unit from, you know, the player op guys to the managers and coaches and such. And to be able to sort of be on the same page and to communicate and fairly con- convey a philosophy and and uh, and rightfully so, and they've done an, an extremely good job of doing that from sort of the minor leagues on up, and it's paying off now on the big league roster. But to expand on that point too is they have Will Myers and Eric Hosmer finally playing up to that potential, and that was another big key in the manager who can get the most out of these players because Andy Green had a problem with Will Myers, vice versa, or both. And, you know, both of those guys underperformed. You know, whether we want to talk the money or not, they underperformed. But now you have a manager who's getting the most out of his players and you want to fire him because you didn't like how he expressed himself to fucking, like, loaded questions that you, you may or may not have been prepared for? Come the fuck on, bro. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's, that's way too far. <laughs> Did you see the... Did you see the camera angle of uh, Manny Machado in the on-deck circle when Tatis hit that home run? I did. Awesome. He's just like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get oh, hit. Shit. I'm going to get hit. Shit, bro. He knew he was going to get hit, yeah. man. That's classic. Yeah, look, and I that's more of what the, hey, we'll talk to him. Let's, let's make sure, you know, he kind of, it's not necessarily we're chastising our guy. It's just making sure that, like, we're not, you know, kind of disrespecting. I'm all for that dude doing donkey hacks and fucking, you know, 3-0 and counts. I don't care. Run up the score. And if you'd been paying attention, uh, not you, but just people in general, uh, the Padres have been blowing games yeah. like it's fucking their job, dude. That's why That's so, why I've been saying that that's not, the, that's not an unwritten rule right there. Man, if, if you're not 10 runs up, it's fair game. Uh, you know, seven runs down on a you know for a team that's been blowing games and the bullpen's been pretty bad. That's no, that's not an unwritten rule. That's fair game. Swing away. He no. did, and he didn't pimp it either. He didn't bat flip and and walk down the line or anything. Uh, you know, he didn't rub it in their face. He, he ran around the damn bases and did what he always does. That whole thing is just so stupid and blown out of proportion. You play to win the game. And, and what, what kind of bothers me, too, is completely overlooked in, in almost all of this is that the, that pussy team throws, it, throws behind Manny Machado and nobody even talks about it, deliberately throws at him, and, and the umpires don't even throw the pitcher out of the game. They don't even issue a warning. Are you fucking kidding me? This guy obviously and deliberately throws behind Manny Machado. And they don't even throw the pitcher out or the manager or anything. Luckily, you know, these, I think the manager and, and the, who was it, Eovaldi or whatever, uh, I think they both got suspensions, rightfully so. But they should have immediately been thrown out of the game. 
and, and there, I don't even think they issued a warning. I think uh, both Jace Tingler, if I'm not mistaken, and AJ Preller, contacting you know the uh, players rep, the the union, and uh, Chris Young, I believe, was the one who responded to that former Padre, former Padre, fucking tall as fuck. He, so yeah, they don't they don't even issue a warning. Dude, and all all the bad. all the criticism is is towards Tatis and and not these little babies that actually throw at somebody. That's crazy, man. And <sighs> yeah, I mean, how, and you know, go ahead, Brian. I was I was just gonna say like you know kind of not off topic, but kind of going backwards a little bit. How cool is it that AJ Preller is there? <laughs> Like in Dude, the dugout, so rad. in the dugout, in the dugout, wearing his mask. Like, what's up, Tatis? I love it, man. Listen, can you just go yard right now, dude? Fucking my GM hashtag. Love that guy. Yeah, you know, it also really was kind of an over. You know, the not just you know blowing leads, but the Padres were also on a five game losing. Yeah, even more important. That's even more important than them blowing. Even games. more important, yeah. dude. You need you you cannot let up when you're blowing games, but also you're in a six game losing skid, but also in a sixty game sprint season, dude. It's a different animal. Like it, this is all fucking new. And what I, what I love though too is so many people, former players, coaches. You know Reggie Jackson, Johnny Bench coming out yeah. to defend Fernando Tatis, and, and old school guys too. And, you know, not, not oh yeah, just old the, random Johnny players. Bench. Yeah. I mean, I mean Reggie Jackson had fucking enough mustard on his hot dog for fucking everybody, but it, when it's other guys like Johnny Bench, like dude, that's that's player, bro. And you know, I I was just really, I was really glad to see that, but then in contrast to see just social media in general take so much of it so far as they usually do these knee-jerk reactions and hashtag fire just unbelievable yeah the fire tingler stuff is stupid that's and i i mean i don't know if people actually mean that or if it's just hyperbolic but that's obviously going way too far i i I think people definitely fucking mean it bro uh i mean you see people trying to just cancel people out left and right and that's the fucking you know that's just the that's the the world we live in now, dude. If you don't like something, we're just gonna fucking try to cancel them out until we get what we want, and then the next guy comes in, you're fucking just behind your keyboard, fucking drinking jolt, waiting for that to happen to the next motherfucker. So it's just ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's weak. That's that's not my reaction at all. I, I mean, I've obviously been highly critical of Tingler, but I'm not even close to saying we should fire him or anything like that. I just I, I'm just not a fan of some of the moves he's making because it seems like. More often than not, not they're not working. You know, uh, he's made some some interesting moves and that I didn't even like at the time that worked out. Like we talked about before, him yeah, bringing in Greg yeah. Garcia for Will Myers, I thought was stupid, and, and it worked out. You know, he, he drove in a run and and it ended up being a good situation or a, uh, a good decision. But it, it just seems like more often than not, the the kind of strange decisions that go against against conventional wisdom just aren't paying off. And to me, they seem like obvious bad decisions. And it seems like he just keeps making them. I think there's some uh, some over over, manage, over management happening. And I think some of that's based on statistical uh, you know, analysis and sort of splits and whatnot. And, you, you know, you want to see that overall. But I think what we've seen from the beginning of the year is 
it's been magnified because of the underwhelming play from some of the guys, the, the aforementioned people that we've spoken about. But, you know, I think when it comes down to it, I think I think Tingler's the guy. But we'll see. I mean, the jury's out, but I liked how he, he responded today and he kind of clarified his statements. And people want to say he backtracked or even if he did, like, this should be water under the bridge. It should be fucking over. Yeah, I'm just glad that they answered back with, uh, you know, another strong win. Uh, if they would have came out and lost this game, I'd be feeling a lot different about it today. Um, I was worried yesterday that all that momentum was crushed by by his leadership, honestly. But I liked his comments today. I agree with you that it might have just been um, poor communication on his part. And, you know, they came out and they got another strong win, and, and the momentum is turning. And, and speaking of that momentum, you know, this team has shown that that they can come out and early in the series and, and play well, but they're not finishing these series. Uh, you know, they're starting strong, and it seems like they're losing just about every last game or two of the series. You know, if it's a three-game series, it seems like they're mm-hmm. always losing that last game. If it's a four-game series, they're losing both of the last games. They, they need to finish every seat, every series strong. They, they need to hold their momentum for every single game. And and I, I think they totally I think agree. they can. Uh, I mean, they, you know, that's the distinction between fucking contending teams and and championship teams. You know, you can get by and 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 win series and stuff like that, but uh, you have to be a finisher. And right now, they're not that. They're not the the most well rounded team. And you know, maybe we should delve into a little bit of trade talk, Brian. It kind of you know brings it up. Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, I think they're not a whole lot different than what we talked about last time about potential trade targets. To me, it it seems like it comes down to, you know, one more bat in the lineup, and and probably now another bullpen arm should should be their mm-hmm. you know their top targets, possibly a catcher. Uh, but to me, just any any bat, you know, the best bat you can go out and get. And, another bullpen arm a back end of the bullpen kind of guy um, preferably totally totally agree uh you know kind of thought about guys from teams that are you know probably out of it like boston or kansas city and you look at uh boston you look at uh workman or barnes uh workman or barnes i think those two guys could make sense uh embry is another guy but there's other guys from obviously uh Boston Red Sox that we've spoken about before is JD Martinez. Obviously, he'd be a DH, and you know there's a sizable contract there, you know, along with it. But maybe that lessens the prospect uh, return that you know could be appealing. Uh, but um, I think that's also appealing in a sense that it's not just a a rental for the rest of this shortened season. I think I think right. any and we talked about this before, but any anyone they go after, I think needs to be beyond just this half a season that's left right and you know two of the guys well a few of the guys we've touched on were just that you know like Whit midfield wit merrifield is another guy who just be perfect because he can slot right into an outfield spot right now with fam down and he could lead off two three four doesn't matter um and he fits the philosophy perfect fam comes back maybe he dhs and you have you know, Wit playing second, first against lefty. Sometimes, I mean, you could you could really 
just have him play all over the all over the infield and so to to me he's he's a perfect guy on many levels because you can do that he's not going to put someone you know out of the the equation like he's not going to bump Cronenworth out of the equation you know maybe he might bump him off a second less. base though well he might bump he might bump him off a of second base against left-handed hitters but then you you got a fucking star so look i I, I think Salvador Perez is another guy. Yeah. Obviously, he's on the same team. We've talked about him before. Uh, I think he's making like 13.5 or something. I have to double-check those numbers. But, you know, he's raking. His exit velocity, his barrels are fucking just elite right now. Uh, and, he, you know, moreover, he's raking. And he's back. He, you could DH him and have Austin Hedges backing up and if he needs a blow or whatever. So that's another guy that's really intriguing to me. But with the sort of the news of um, the Cleveland Indians putting Mike Clevenger and Plesak, reinstating them and then sending them to the taxi squad, I find that another extremely intriguing opportunity as there's been some talk that, you know, on the rumor mill that it's like, man, they might need to trade him because there's a there's at least one or two veterans from the Cleveland Indians that have spoken about if they if they come back that they're they're done they might quit the season and um you know whenever there's like veterans like that coming when you're disobeying COVID-19 whatever whatever's you know that's uh that's tough for a club so if I'm AJ Preller I'm on the phone with you know the Indians fucking yesterday yeah I mean I'm, I'm not gonna say I don't want to add a talented pitcher like Clevenger but uh I don't think I don't think that's really what we need. I, I guess it all depends on what we're giving up and and whatnot. But I, I just uh, I think the bat is way more important, and and a guy in the bullpen is more important. Well, you could look at it a few different ways too. I mean, if you know, if you get another guy like Mike Clevenger, depending upon who you're giving up, you know, it it, it also is probably expanding the bullpen usage. So that's another way to look at it too. If you get him, first of all, he's he's a you know a number one or number two. He's a, he's a legit front of the line you know starter, and you know their loss or gain in their situation if that could come to fruition. But I again, it comes down to what you'd have to give up, of course. But wow, to to put in another guy in you know in front of or in the mix with Lament, Paddock, Davies, and another guy. Like four guys that can go out and any, and then you have Gore and Patino and Morhan and like, dude, that's that could be incredible. And another guy that Brian, that's he's under control. Yeah. So so is uh, Salvador Perez. I don't think he has as much control, but he he's signed. Yeah, he's signed through uh, next year. And and Mer- Merrifield has got I think three or four years. He's to go yeah, on and Merrifield good contract. Know, that's why I think Merrifield would just be too expensive prospect wise because he's he's a good player, he's versatile, and that contract is awesome. He's he's signed under a really team friendly contract. Um, the the only thing that could be against against that is the fact that you know the Royals are going to be out of it, and uh, but more so. I think he's like 31, 30 or 31. So he's he's on the little older side. You probably want to sell when he's still in his prime and producing, 
even with a a contract uh, like his it's very palatable so Jorge Solar is another guy that's he's really JD Martinez 2.0 and I think I said the exact same thing on the last podcast he's another guy I look at because that dude seems like he's figured it out and he's played more outfield uh, this year than he's DH in the past so uh, that's another one that's interesting you DH him uh, as a potential upgrade there but like like you said Brian and how I've been sort of championing the cause on fucking social media they need a bat dude yeah. they need a bat especially I, I, I thought that before with Tommy Fam, with, you know with Tommy family lineup so with him not there Naylor ain't gonna cut it dude I mean even if he's he's raking I just I don't see making waves in the playoffs without getting another hitter probably a catcher and at least one very strong relief arm even with the fucking resources that they have. Yeah. I mean, unless Naylor and Profar step up, uh, it's just, it's, it's probably not enough. Uh, but, you know, like we were talking about earlier, we're going to get fam back if we're still in it. I, I don't think they need more. I don't think they need two bats. You know, if they go out and get Salvador Perez, I, I think that's enough to, to hold us over uh, until we get fam back and, if they can go out and Could get be. Perez and a and a solid relief arm or, or better, I think that's enough to to keep us competitive. Because because I just don't think. Go ahead. I just don't think guys like Jerks and Profar, no matter the recent you know production and you know positivity, I I don't I just I don't see those guys being being it. They're they're good secondary bench pieces to me. Um, Jake Cronenworth, I mean, he's going to get Rookie of the Year votes. Fucking said that earlier in December. But I think that um, I think that you're you're really squandering an opportunity to, while you have the best player on a massive hot streak, runs, fucking home runs, stolen bases, RBIs. I mean, you you need to you need to pile on where the while it's hot you know they come back now and win two in a row i mean add now there's only about 10 days left until the fucking trade deadline let's go aj text me yeah love you i don't think i don't think profar is like like you said a, like a long-term solution or anything or or even a man should be a mainstay in the lineup to me he's he's more of a utility guy that that can play everywhere and and contribute but I, th- I think Naylor can can turn into you know one of those big bats, especially if he's not counted on for you know hitting in the middle of the lineup. Uh, yeah, I, I think he can. I, I mean, he's got that potential for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about the possibility of bringing up uh, Taylor Trammell? I'm skeptical because you know I, I mean I know that he looked good after the Padres traded for him. They kind of adjusted some mechanical issues that they had sort of targeted when he was with the reds and he looks he looked much better but you're still talking a guy about a guy who you know struggled the first you know part of the season and he's young and you know not a, an extreme amount of at bats above you know double a so yeah really um, not that not that that's necessary you know but really not a whole lot of ex- uh, success ab- above single a really uh, he, he, he really right. didn't play that well in double a uh, I, I was just curious because I hear a lot of people calling for that, and I'm not well, so sure he's he, ready. Well, par- 
part of that's because of his spring training. Uh, I think he hit like 400 in limited bats and or such. But uh, I I, I kind of hesitate to think that dude's ready. In fact, when that trade went down, I thought for sure they were going to use Trammell to facilitate another trade because I think AJ and his ops are extraordinary in terms of you know reallocating you know resources and kind of f- flipping value there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I love Taylor Trammell, by the way. He's a good social media influence too. Um, just seems like just one of the more positive f- motherfuckers on uh, the Padres, but. I'm glad you brought that up because it has been a topic of conversation between the blogosphere. Is there any? You think there's anybody else worth talking about that that they could just bring up and and contribute? I know there's also been some talk of uh, Puig. What do you think about signing him? I go back and forth because I I do worry about you know the the culture, the atmosphere. Is he is he a good you know a positive influence on younger kids? Part of me says no, and the other part of me is like, dude, three and O oh, slam hacks, you know? And like Puig is all about that shit, licking his bat and his chops. He didn't give a fuck. Plus, he's another guy who's not going to be intimidated, you know? Like, whether it be Madison Bumgarner, we've had a couple dust ups with him. And like, so in that regard, I, I like it because he's not going to be intimidated by the spotlight. He's going to come in, but. In the same breath, if you look at his last two or three seasons, he really hasn't produced all that much in terms of an o- overall, you know, value. If you're looking at like F WAR and such. Oh, he's he's pretty good last year, and you know that I don't give a shit about WAR. I, th- I <laughs> well, I, I I care a little bit more than you, but yeah, I think uh, it's 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 obviously extremely overrated. Yeah. Um, the, the, baseball ops teams have their own. Baseball ops teams have their own, you know, for, uh, formulations and, and such. So it's uh, it's silly when people. I highly are, doubt um, AJ Preller is sitting in his war. office looking at fucking war. Probably zero times. But yeah, I'd, I I kind of have the same reservations. I haven't liked him as a person uh, in the past, but you know, maybe he's just one of those guys that you you hate him when he's on a on a different team. You hate him when he's on the Dodgers, but. You love him if he's on your team. He's definitely he's definitely a bat, and we that's yeah. what we've been talking about. They need a bat. Well, if you can sign him on, you I'm sure you could sign him, you know, on the cheap, uh, and do it that way. It's it's something that I think would be smart to talk collectively amongst the clubhouse and the team to get feel for what that addition would bring and what it wouldn't bring. Um, it could clash with guys like Tommy Pham, um, old school guy, hard nosed motherfuckers, but. Hey, like the main thing is wins and the W and the column. So he seemed. I mean, know, I don't know. Like I to me, I was kind of thinking he's a fiery guy. You know, he might get along with Machado and Tatis. I could, he's fiery as hell. I could see it going both ways. I, I really could. So I'm open to it, especially with Fam going down. If you want another player in there, you want another righty, um, another bench option, whether it's uh, platoon scenarios or not. I don't think uh, Edward Olivares is a guy that you can rely on. No. Um, and same with Naylor. Like maybe you could platoon Puig. Of course, I think Yusuf Puig has a reverse splits, if I'm not mistaken. Historically speaking, I think if you're signing Puig, you're gonna put him in there every day. Put him in there, DH. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, but yeah, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I go, I go back and forth. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Brian, before we let these motherfuckers go? Man, there was something. Oh yeah, I, I, I wanted to mention. I, I'm so tired of the Manny Machado doesn't hustle bullshit. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, next time you're thinking that in your fucking squirrel brain. Go back to today's game and watch him run a hundred fucking feet from the shift and catch a ball oh over my his God, shoulder. What a play! Yeah, he doesn't. Unfucking believable. He doesn't hustle my ass. Go watch that fucking play. Dude, and shut your mouth. It's such a flawed, fucking, stupid narrative that just needs to be buried right next to Buster Olney's shitty opinions. Um, dude, he ran a country fucking mile. Yeah, and- and, from, and Ken uh, Rosenthal's shift. bow tie. Yeah, I mean, you could probably take the phone book that he has to stand on, too, and as well. Put that in there. But also, people forget that he's had two knee surgeries on both knees. You want that guy to be hustling every single at bat. There's certain guys, dude, that you probably don't want hustling every single ground out that's an obvious, probable... 99.99999999 percent out. I love I love that hustle because that's you know that's the kind of person that I am too. But I worry about Tatis. He does that. You know he he's he, you hustle to the fridge. You hustle to the fridge. Dude. I'm 100 percent all the time when I'm playing. You know that. I don't dude, I don't I let up your... for one second. <laughs> but my I, you know I see I see Tatis doing this, and and I'm worried that he's gonna get hurt. He kind of he kind of ran into that a little last year, stretch you know making yeah. a stretch like a first baseman doing the splits and pulling a hammy. Uh, I I respect the hell out of that, but you know sometimes it it's maybe smarter to to ease up a bit and stay healthy. And well, when when he's hustling down the line and he he takes that big stride to hit the bag, man yeah, I'm yeah. It, I'm worried every single time because that guy needs to stay healthy. Yeah, I, I usually cross my balls when that happens and my fingers. Um, I think another point for Machado is the fact that, not just the fact that he's had two knee surgeries, but he also plays every fucking game. Yeah. He's like Steve Garvey-like status where he's always playing. People don't, especially these armchair fucking camel toe assholes on Twitter that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they've never played the game on a even quasi fucking high level, you know. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. It's so tired, bro. I don't know what a camel toe asshole is, but I've played at the fucking lowest level <laughs> men's underhand softball, <laughs> slow pitch yeah, softball. Dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. But you're you're still a viable option, you know. <laughs> I think I think you're a viable option on that lowest level. But our team was so fucking bad, we lost. Or sorry, it'll be easier to say it this way: we won one game in two seasons. <laughs> and the best part, awesome. the best part is when when I fucking tried to make that play and smashed through the fence and like ruined my leg. We were down by yeah, we like, were down by ten runs. <laughs> And that, that's my point, though. Like, dude, I don't know, like, less than 100%. We were down by 10 yeah, runs. So Everybody's yelling at me, like, what the fuck are you doing? But I <laughs> I don't know any better. I can't do it. 
but I guess we'll probably wrap it up there. All right, Brian, I think we'll end it there. And, uh, hey, go to Amplifier.com, follow us on Twitter, likes, retweets, downloads, all that shit uh, would be great. Follow Brian Coke on Twitter. Uh, don't follow me. I don't really care about that. Uh, we'll uh, we'll jump on here uh, probably a little bit uh, sooner than, than we have this last uh, time. Um, Brian went on a little family vacation i don't know why the fuck he would even do that it's so stupid uh speaking of family i know there's been a lot of talk about brian and um you know his dad and uh his real dad that is and um you know we've gone through certain things like sperm donors and certain things like that but i think the main thing to take away from it is when you look at me and you look at him it's obvious who the better motherfucking looking dude is and and, then, Brian and when you measure def- us, it's obvious like, bel- who's below the waist, especially because Brian's taller. got a little dick. <laughs> Five foot taller. Okay, bro. Oh my God, here we go. Um, but if any of you are willing to take a paternity test, particularly those in the age range of uh, fifty to seventy. Uh, white males from Alpine, California who drive tractors. Uh, yeah, hit me up. 